Just a little DMX there for us. Just a little DMX for us. So, um, crazy, crazy times living in. <clears throat> Hello, Teresa. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Uh, I did have another uh, guest uh, who was uh, supposed to come on uh, for today. Uh, however, you know, things happen and people have to cancel. Um, but rather than cancel the show, uh, I decided to talk about um, the, uh, the the trial that is going on here um, and uh, just kind of give my, my thoughts and opinions about what's going on thus far. Also looking to get your thoughts and opinions. And apparently, I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but apparently the chair that I'm uh, sitting in uh, needs some oil. Um, however, uh, so let I just want to kind of jump into it just a little bit. Once again, thank you to all of you guys who are tuning in thus far or who will watch it uh, this in the future. Really, really appreciate it. Um, so let's kind of just get going. Uh, you can handle it. <laughs> so thanks so much, um, Michelle. Um, so I, listen, I really want to get your guys' opinion if you guys have been watching it um, or if you guys have been, been reading about it or keeping abreast of it, of, of it, what's going on. We are now in week two uh, of the trial. Um, and just try to get you, you know, what you guys are thinking about, uh, whether we, uh, whether we're happy or satisfied of uh, what's going to happen with the with the trial, and whatever. Uh, so, um, I'm having a little difficulty here. Hey, Chris, and hey, Michelle. So, I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in thus far. So, uh, let's see. Hey, Tracy, really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. My computer is doing some funky stuff that I don't think you guys can see. So anyway, so let's just uh, get going into it. Um, so first, I got I to gotta say something about uh, DMX uh, here. Uh, uh, we don't know what the story is or what the situation is, is you know, officially, um, as far as whether it was an overdose or, or whatever. Uh, however, um, you know, really got to give some thoughts to, to, to him, to that situation. Really, really sad, really, really tragic. Uh, I understand the court latest that I read, it was the family was going to do something, um, some type of um, vigil uh, today. So, you know, really, really sad, really, really tragic. And uh, someone had sent me a video of him talking about his early struggles and how he got, initially got hooked on drugs when he was 14 years old. And so, uh, you know, someone that he, the same person who kind of introduced him to the rap game, um, then turns around and introduces him to drugs, gives him a, a blunt that was laced up. And, uh, you know, the rest was kind of history. He's been struggling with those types of things uh, ever since. So uh, really, 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 really sad. And, uh, you know, in that interview, he said, you know, how can someone do this to a kid? How can someone do this to a child? Uh, hold on here a second here. My computer is really, really doing some funky stuff here. So I got to unplug some stuff here. So, um, so really, really just sad and really, really tragic and all that. So, uh, yeah, Teresa, you said you're watching. Yeah, I uh, just really want to get you guys' thoughts and opinions. So let, let's just take it from the top there. Uh, we covered DMX, played a little bit uh, of one of my favorite songs of his uh, from uh, Who We Be. Um, but, uh, you know, DMX has so many different hits. Um, so so let's talk, let's get into the trial here. Uh, week two, uh, the first week was more of an emotional week, at least it seems from the perspective of the uh, of the prosecution. 
into uh, how they decided to handle uh, their case. They had a lot of emotional um, um, testimony of persons who were witnesses on trial, uh, who then uh, who were witnesses to what happened uh, to the uh, to the incident. And who broke down because they could not break because they felt as as if they were um, uh, um, going to be impeded by the police. And someone asked me about this the other day, and I really wanted to really talk about this. I was on another podcast uh, that is going to uh, be released fairly soon. Uh, I was a guest on their podcast on on Sunday, and so on that particular podcast, what happened was um, they asked me about specifically about you know if someone's in a situation where they think that that the police are doing wrong. And they may feel as if they they are not able to um, intervene. You know, how do we handle that going forward? Uh, I think that um, th that becomes a really really difficult situation because, um, you, you know, if we if we think that we're about to witness, we as civilians think that the police are doing something that um, that the police ought not to be doing. How do you interact with that? How do you intervene with that? How do you step forward and say something about that? How, what do, what do you do in those particular situations? And so. Um, it re it's really a, you know a catch twenty two because you're inter if you intervene then you then you're never going to know if the situation that you think is going to turn bad is actually going to turn bad and obviously I'm going to say you know to intervene you you take that 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 choice that chance of intervening at your own risk and that really can be a really really bad and really really dangerous situation in which people um, uh, uh, in which the police officers are going you're most definitely going to be arrested uh, the situation that you think is going to turn bad uh, may not actually turn bad and the police will will say and prosecutors eventually may say well you intervened in something that we don't know uh, has happened um, so this whole incident with George Floyd, Derek Chauvin may have uh, may be something that is really, really eye opening that people really are going to have to take into consideration uh, when and if uh, things happen, um, when and if the situation goes bad. Uh, so just a couple more people. Hello, Cap. Hello, Donald. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Michelle says, I guess you can try to call the police on the police. And and if you've been watching, if anyone who's been uh, watching the trial, we know that uh, people have been, uh, people did call the police. I think there was one MMA artist uh, or martial artist uh, who said, you know, he's wanted to call the police. There were numerous people who had called the police on the police. And even when I was working, <laughs> people all the time would call the police on us. <laughs> and we were like, listen, we're outside. And obviously, this is not a, a laughing and joking manner, but people do it all the time. So this, it's not. It's not out of the realm of possibility or on out of the realm of norm normalcy where people call the police on us and because they think that that uh, that we were doing something that was illegitimate and obviously wrong. And certainly in this particular case, we understand that that their their crowds uh, reservations, the crowds instincts, the crowds, uh, what they were witnessing uh, was spot on. And it, it's, it's such a terrible shame that in this particular situation. Uh, that things turned out the way that they did. You know, this is all something that uh, was all all Derek Chauvin's uh, doing. Chris Casey says, I've given this a lot of thought. And as a paramedic, I would like to think that I would intervene and take an, <laughs> an interfering punch. I think that a lot of people, I think a lot of people would have, uh, are feeling the same way, Chris, that, you know, this guy was such a jerk. And we'll, I'll talk about this in a little bit. I did make some notes here. I want to kind of go through a progression here of what we've seen so far in the trial. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, um, to, to the amount of people, let's just keep with last week, what happened last week, the amount of people who wanted to intervene, including an off-duty firefighter uh, who kept saying, take his pulse, take his pulse, take his pulse. Let me go in and take his pulse. Um, and so 
you know, it's really, this is such a tragic circumstance uh, from beginning to end, from out, out from citizens who, uh, who are seeing something, seeing something right before their eyes. And the very people who are supposed to be sworn in to protect, to serve and to protect are failing them at an, an, an alarming level um, and preventing them from, from stepping in. Um, so yeah, after three to six minutes, brain death could be occurring. Absolutely, Chris. Absolutely. Um, so I read over a little bit of, of the doctor's testimony. I, you know, like most other people, I'm in and out having things to do. I can't sit there and watch, you know, eight, nine hours of trial all day. But I did read, uh, I think it was in USA Today, where the, uh, the attending physician at the autopsy, not the autopsy, at the, at the, um, uh, at the emergency room, where he was saying that uh, you know his heart uh, in his brain, you know, just just was not able to respond, and they were not able to get any uh, substantial electric electrical activity around his heart, uh, anything that would sustain life or beating that would sustain life. And certainly, as you're saying, Chris, uh, certainly after three to six minutes, the brain starts to die, and um, you know some ir ir irreversible damage really starts to to occur to occur to uh to begin what's up my good friend eric um yeah so <laughs> pinch i'm sure that you uh oh oh you have taken inter uh interfering pinch uh interfering arrest you know i think I, I think that that's um i think that that's a valid point i think that that's a really really valid point is that um certainly some people uh are going to consider taking that arrest going forward um, certainly some people are going to maybe tackle police officers. This is something that we really have to have to really kind of kind of get into. Now, of course, I want uh, I like everyone else wants wants, you know, officers to do right at the right times and be and do what they're trained to do. And that is to serve, protect life and everything like that. But if an officer or or someone is not doing that, we want some type of, of interference. Um, and, and I certainly hope it's not coming to that. I'm not saying that people ought to just go around following police, harassing police, um, and, and looking for them to be doing something wrong, but we've got to be able to, to have a, 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 a well-trained force, uh, who is, who are standing up for the principles and morals and, uh, that, that the society expects of them, that society expects of them. Um, so. Yeah, so I think that going forward, many people will be taking a pension and arrest for these types of things um, because we can't allow this type of thing to happen again. Um, so we had firefighters, EMTs testifying, and it, there seems to be, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not seeing any love lost uh, for this guy, Derek Chauvin. Uh, I've not seen anyone so far. I mean, these have obviously all been uh, prosecution witnesses. Of course, they've been cross-examined by the uh, defense, but I'm not seeing anyone who's saying uh, that they have or displaying that they have any type of love lost. I mean, these EMTs and firefighters are saying, yeah, this is what they should have done. Uh, and they should have stepped in. I, I didn't see any attempts to take a pulse, to resuscitate, to do anything uh, that would help this man uh, turn him on his side to get him out of into the recovery position, uh, to get him out of this excited the possibility of excited delirium position. We're not seeing any of that from the firefighters who testified from the captain, from the off duty firefighter uh, who was there uh, to any of the bystanders, to the MMA person who's, uh, who understands sort of certain level, you know, physical force. He may not be trained as well as far as uh, police uh, tactics, 
Um, but he understands taking a punch. He understands restraint. He understands probably more than likely chokeholds, or he understood those things. And so to see what's going on here, it certainly uh, had to be a very, very tra traumatic to him. Uh, I have personally been witness to officers uh, policing themselves as well they should. Uh, I, th I think I think that the, there's a consensus going around, and Chris is saying this, uh, that that many times, that the vast majority of times, the police officers are 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 are, are policing themselves. Uh, I, I know my time on the force. Many times we said, "Hey, listen, you know, um, go go over here. You know, I got this person." Uh, go over here and, and look for, for for what they threw down. Let me give it a little context to this. So let's just say that there's a a um, a foot chase. Uh, and it's a lot of times what happens in a foot chase or a car chase, foot chase, uh, your adrenaline goes up, your adrenaline spikes up because you want to catch this person. Um, and then when we catch this person, um, the the one who's usually first or, or in, in engages in a struggle of some type with this particular individual uh, may still be a little excited. It then takes another officer to come out and say, okay, I got this. I got this. I got this. I will got him in handcuffs. Why don't you go over here and see if they threw anything down uh, along the ways. Uh, or, you know, maybe they toss them, toss the weapon or toss drugs or, or whatever, or, or just get off of them or go start writing a report or go run his name for license registrations or see if he's got any warrants and things like that. That is examples of officers policing themselves because we understand that it, you, you may still be a little excited. This guy made you jump through, jump through hoops and, and run around cars and, you know, jump over fences, maybe a, a little annoyed. However, it's not the time to take extrajudicial justice out on this particular person. And, and sometimes we have to be rem reminded of that. And uh, it takes a good officers around these particular persons or even a lot of times good mental stability in and of yourself uh, for the officer involved to say, listen, I'm not going to do these types of things. And so, therefore, it takes another officer sometimes to get a person away from these particular people. And so uh, Chris is, 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 is absolutely right that he's seen uh, officers policing themselves. And this is an example of sometimes when officers need to police themselves. Uh, <clears throat> the police took out an ad condemning. Uh, uh, Chauvin. I, I think that the vast majority of police officers are are, are all in agreement that this guy uh, really, really gave police officers a really, really bad name. He really, really, he really, really embarrassed the profession. Um, it's, it's, it's. I mean, the the defense attorney has a job, has a legal obligation to defend this guy, but uh, his uh, the, the thing that Chauvin has done. Uh, has been so heinous and so terrible. And that's why I don't think that there's any love loss as far as the uh, firefighters, EMTs, uh, these first responders who, as Chris is saying, you know, when, you, when you're uh, as, as in that field where you're an EMT, firefighter, police officer, many times you're at many scenes always working together. And so, um, you know, the professionalism that officers display the vast majority of the time, you know, the, the uh, professionalism, the firefighters, portray the professionalism that EMTs display. And so to see that, uh, to see someone break their oath, defy their oath, uh, really, really has just been such, such a damning uh, thing. So let's talk just a little bit about what's going on uh, last few days. And that is with uh, the Lieutenant who, who testified, who was the commander of the murder investigation, uh, uh, Lieutenant, uh, Zimmerman uh, in uh, the criminal uh, investigation division. I believe he was over the homicide division. 
and you know, he talks about his 40 years in the police force and in in how in no training that he has ever received uh, has he ever at any time <laughs> uh, been taught any of the techniques that were demonstrated by Chauvin on that day. Uh, I forget the other commander's name. I believe she's an inspector uh, of the Fifth Ward or Fifth Precinct or something like that. Uh, she has also testified along the same thing. She was at one time the training uh, commander, said that at no time did, did they ever um, uh, train for a knee on the neck. It is considered lethal force. I myself was an instructor of defensive tactics. Uh, I taught these types of, of, of uh, I, I almost I taught these type of techniques. I did not teach any of those techniques and we, we, that was not part, part of our curriculum. We did not go around placing our knees and teach other em employees and, uh, to place the knee in the neck of, 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 of arrestees or combatants or those who are just generally um, not following commands. We didn't do it for, uh, we didn't teach that at, a, at any uh, level to uh to take persons in custody to calm them down to to chill them to chill them out it was not something that we taught um i can't imagine any police department in the country teaching these things telling anyone these things uh like derek chauvin uh in the minneapolis officers many times we had to receive uh, training we received ours every three years sometimes more more frequently um and so uh chauvin uh, his uh chief of police the in others have testified that they receive annual type of training and uh, again at no time and in no place and in no circumstance uh is these is that technique placing a knee into the neck of someone for i believe they're now estimating we we originally thought it was eight minutes 46 seconds it's now like nine minutes and 29 seconds or something like that uh of his knee being placed in his neck um and he was never turned into the re recovery position Floyd was never turned into a recovery position. His pulse was never taken, despite the pleas from the audience, despite the pleas from uh, the off-duty firefighter. Um, really, really just heinous, heinous, heinous situation. It's really, really just unimaginable. Really, really just unimaginable um, what has been going on, uh, wh what happened on that on that day and on that time. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yes, Teresa, she said, I don't know what he's doing. And I, I got to say, she didn't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was doing. I, <laughs> well, I, I think it's obvious now that we knew that he was, you know, doing something that he thought would, that he thought would uh, quiet and quell him, uh, Floyd. He was obviously resisting going into the car. He was obviously resistant uh, in, that, in that manner. But his level of resistance certainly did not warrant a death penalty, particularly and especially on the side of the road like that. Really, really disgusting. Um, and to be angling, and I'm just always upset about how he was angling himself, positioning himself, adjusting and readjusting his weight to make sure that he was hitting those arteries on the side of, uh, on the side of Floyd's neck. Disgusting. Disgusting. Um really really terrible really really terrible really really terrible um and to think that this man was was at one time a field training officer and he was responsible for training uh junior officers in how to perform their their uh, their craft is is even more disgusting um i had first a few episodes that uh you know a few episodes ago uh, when this incident had first happened i was really really uh harsh towards the chief of police there uh, in Minneapolis, Arredondo or something like that is the last name is. 
And so what happened is after that, I was actually, I actually, uh, someone who lives in Minnesota uh, sent me a Zoom meeting town council in which uh, Arredondo had, uh, had was, was the chief, uh, was testifying um, or, or giving a, a speech or a talk to, uh, you know, civilian, civilians in the Minnesota area talking about how he had tried to do certain things uh, for the Minneapolis Police Department in respect to discipline for not just Chauvin, but other officers along the way. And he talked about the the, the union being extremely strong there. Uh, I've done a number of episodes about unions, at least at least two episodes. Go back in the archives, you can watch those episodes. Um, if you're not listening to the audio podcast, um, I'll try to put it up right now so you can guys can go over there and, and find um, where I talk about this. Um, Oh yeah, the audio version. So yeah, so uh, you guys can go over the audio version and listen to at least two different episodes. Attorney's name is Jonathan Smith, Smith, out from uh, Washington D.C. area, and he talks about uh, just the, the power that unions have, and they're uh, in, and uh, it's difficult to get many changes uh, to to contracts. It's difficult to fire officers because of these of the strength of, of sometimes these union contracts. And so the chief of police there was was in a meeting. You know, this is obviously after the George Floyd incident that happened. Um, and so he's talking about the difficulty that he had in, in just, you know, reassigning, assigning, disciplining, uh, terminating, uh, disciplining all the way up into and including termination. So this is really, really something that um, that that uh, that is a problem that many I think many cities really have to look at the strength of the union. Now, I want unions. I, I believe in not only police unions. I know Amazon's trying to unionize and all that kind of stuff. I think that the, that that uh, employees ought to be paid well and paid fairly and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not one of those pre people out here who are anti-union. I'm certainly pro-union. However, uh, when they were protecting terrible employees, um, you know that really becomes problematic. Uh, officer did try to get a pulse, but didn't know what, what he was doing. Not Chauvin. He reached for his wrist, but used his thumb. I, I, again, again, you know, these things, and this is something that was, uh, their level of training has come out. They, they call themselves, I believe it was Lieutenant Zimmerman, called himself uh, first responders. Now, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not too familiar with all that Minnesota is doing, but in our department, we were called M MRTs, uh, medical response technicians. I think that that title has been changed. Chris, you may know about that, but but I think that that title has been changed. I think it's actually some type of national certification now, where yeah, of course we learned the the basics of first aid, CPR, putting on tourniquets, uh, you know, uh, bandaging up wounds initially, uh, ble bleeding control, uh, blood, things like that. And so for, and part of that is, of course, taking a pulse, right? That's the, one of the first things in part CPR, right? Cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And so for in, for a trained officer who's been trained in this to put his thumb down there is, is in my mind, got to be just for show. Because he knows, or she knows, any officer, anyone who's been trained in this knows that you don't take a, a, a pulse with a thumb. I mean, when I was 15 years old, I took a CPR course and I knew this. I mean, that's just, it's just insane that anyone would, would do that type of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's really, really just, um, really, really just been something to, to, to watch and to behold, seeing the crying that's going to be going on, um, seeing the, uh, 
from the from the former teacher to the bystanders to uh, uh, George Floyd's girlfriend. Uh, of course, we're now, you know, these are all obviously uh, prosecution witnesses, and we understand that within a few weeks uh, or, or a week or so that the defense will be able to put on their witnesses, and they'll pro they're going to give a wholly, totally different side of the story. They'll paint George as a, dr as a drug addict who had heart issues and opioid issues, uh, who was not in the best shape, and they'll paint him in a bad way. And I'm wondering how well the jury is going to buy into these types of uh, thought processes. Uh, or, or to that line of thinking, in how much they're going to buy of that, that, that somehow, some way, uh, George Floyd died of his own uh, accord due to his own uh, uh, health issues and or opioid <laughs> situations. So I'm wondering how, how, how that's going to fly uh, amongst the jury. Uh, it was the same officer that asked if he, he should roll Mr. Floyd, uh, who, who took the pulse. Um, yeah, any officer who's going to do that, any, any officer, anyone who's been trained in this, um, you know, and, and again, you know, I gotta, I gotta sometimes give a little bit of, uh, of, um, deference to the idea that people are, uh, you know, during the heat of the moment there, that they're excited, right? Maybe they're not thinking, uh, clearly straightly. And that, that certainly can be for police officers, um, so maybe he was just in an excited state with the crowd that was surrounding and people yelling and things at him and seeing Mr. Floyd. And of course, there may be, may have been an intimidation factor with, uh, you know, a senior officer saying, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. But do you go back to your training and thinking, OK, well, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, so there's maybe a conflict there. So maybe he was um, not able to. To react in the best of manners. Um, so yeah, so, so that's where we're at. You know, we had, a, you know, we had, I, I, I'm marveling at the amount of people and I'm, I'm appreciative of the fact that there are people thus far, uh, from law enforcement for EMS for fire who are saying that this is not right. Uh, what happened here was, was a crime, was a tragedy, was a travesty. Um, and we're not going to circle the wagons with this guy. We're going to leave this guy out. As Teresa said, that they took out an ad condemning him. I have not seen any post on uh, any social media platform by any police officer saying that they agree with what would happen, uh, with what happened to this guy. He's completely embarrassed, humiliated, and set law enforcement back decades, <laughs> possibly. Uh, truly, truly disgusting. Um, and what this guy was thinking at this time, employing a technique for nine minutes. It's not so. It's not like he just kind of put his knee there uh, and then took it off. You know, 30, 40 seconds later, even a minute later, he was adjusting and readjusting himself. And that I think is 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 the real is the real problem that I have. So everyone, including the chief of police, is saying that this is not what we train. This is not a morality. This is not our core values. Lieutenant Zimmerman, who, who was over the, the murder uh, squad there, essentially, uh, saying, you know, who's dealt with death and saying, this is not what, we, what in my 40 years of experience, we, we have never been taught this. I'm sure that they're probably uh, the, the commander of the um, uh, the former commander of the training division and the commander of the 5th Precinct now, I believe, or something like that, is saying that this is what not we ever have trained. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they will probably bring in their actual defensive tactics instructor. Uh, and, and say that this is this is um, this is not what we have ever taught, trained, looked at. Uh, we don't teach people to do that. We teach people to do put people in the recovering position, and all that kind of thing. So I am definitely interested in to get your guys' opinions.
Uh, Tracy is saying, it's a shame that we had to worry about him getting away with murder. It's it's a no-brainer. Uh, he clearly committed murder. There, there's no academy that teaches officers to kneel on suspects next. Yeah, as I mentioned, I, I've never taught that uh, in my time, time in teaching the academy and or refresher courses to police officers. It's just not It's just not taught. And you're right, Tracy. Do we really have to worry about this? Is this something that could possibly happen, that the jury could not come come back? I'm glad that they threw in that murder three charge as well as murder two. Um, I, it's it's just it's just uh, crazy. Uh, Joanne Marie says, love from Waterbury. As a blue lover and usually not a substance abuse supporter, they messed up out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They absolutely messed up out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're all in the same boat here. I think the vast majority of us really want the, uh, love the police or want them to do a great job, want them to do a good job. We certainly don't ag agree with the uh, overindulgence of substance abuse or and or its use at all. Uh, but there's a, certainly a problem out there that, that needs to be corrected. Hey, LaVonda, <clears throat> uh, uh, Chauvin showed himself uh, when he put his hands in his pocket. Yeah, um, I were they in his pocket or were they on his pants? I, I can't really tell, but um, I, I, I am curious, and I don't know if this has been addressed yet. What were they waiting for for these nine minutes? Were they just waiting for the ambulance to get there for nine? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why they were waiting. They can't put them in the car, so now you're going to wait for the ambulance to get there. That makes no. I can't connect what they were waiting so long for. Um, either you get them in there. I don't know, you know, us here in Waterbury, we have a, what we call the patrol wagon in which we would put prisoners into a wagon, um, or we would wait for a large police wagon, essentially a van to get there, load people up and then bring them to the precinct. Um, is that what they were waiting for? Or are they just always waiting for, uh, the medics to get there? I just can't understand what they were waiting eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes for, I just, I, the guy's under arrest. He's under arrest. Let's get him out of here. I, I can't understand what, 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 what the problem with that was. Uh, yeah. Uh, so really, really horrible, horrible shame. So everyone is in agreement about this, that we have seen thus far uh, from every professional to the side, to the, to the, uh, even to the young girls uh, or young, young individuals who recorded this, uh, who were juveniles at the time, uh, who were just, you know, devastated, breaking down, crying, saying this is just such a travesty, travesty, such a shame. Um, and so here we are. And so here we are. Um, and to take no action is really, really just reprehensible, really, really just re reprehensible. And I agree that he showed himself. He he really, really, you know, did not treat this person as an individual, as a human being. Um, once there was some type of resistance, I think the children was angered, bothered, um, and just really, really just showed himself <laughs> and, and showed himself for what he is and who he is and why he should never wear the uniform ever again. You know, and maybe I don't know what color they wear in, in Minnesota is. They're part of their DOC, but that's that's the color he needs to be in, in my estimation. And uh, to to echo what Tracy's saying, um, do we really have to worry about this guy getting off when he clearly, clearly, clearly committed murder right before everyone's eyes? It was witnessed on camera, a snuff film, live, just horrible. Uh, especially because it happened in a big city, it sets PD community relations back even more. Absolutely, Joanne. Absolutely. It absolutely sets sets um, 
all police departments back because now all many people are going to be thinking because one of you did it, all of you are like this. And that's so heinous and terrible and disgusting that every single officer is now going to have to, um, to, to have to bear the brunt of this. Any idea how you think you, you, we can fix relations? I think, absolutely, I have a lot of ideas about it. I think that a lot of it's going to be community engagement. <clears throat> police chiefs, police higher-ups, brass, uh, really have to engage with the community. Go to churches, go to community events, put on community events, speak to people, uh, develop uh, uh, community programs with children, uh, whether it's PAL programs, whether it's uh, boxing, basketball leagues, um, uh, toy drive, toy giveaways, um, going into schools, not just as SROs, but going into schools and talking to people, uh, talking to the kids, um, uh, going to churches, putting hosting events. Um, you, we, have to, we have to be engaged in all these types of community activism type of type of things in order to, to, to slowly erode that type of thing. And the other thing I think that uh, that many people won't talk about enough about is exactly what's happened in this case. You have to have the chiefs of police and lieutenants um, all coming together, condemning negative and bad behavior. That one of the biggest problems that people have with the police is the lack of transparency and this idea that when and if something happens that that the public can't get information, uh, everything's concealed, everything's covered up. We don't want to talk about it. Um, but when chiefs of police and lieutenants over homicide divisions and commanders of precincts all come together and say what this officer did was bad and reprehensible. And when these officers, as Tracy said earlier, uh, and when they take ads out and saying we condemn bad cops or whatever, uh, or, or whoever, I think Teresa wrote that, uh, um, those things help community relations. They help community relations. Um, I think that, um, yeah, so so toy drives, community relations events, talking to people, uh, uh, informational ses sessions, uh, encouraging citizens to join citizen police academies. Um, uh, if, if your city has a citizens uh, police academy, I encourage you to to try to become a part of it. It takes community interaction, community engagement. The police are the people. This is from Sir Robert Peel from the 1900s. The police are the community and the community are the police. The police cannot be behind their own blue walls of silence. And I mean that figuratively and literally. Um, it cannot hide behind police stations or behind, you know, it's us against them type of mentality. We have to go out to the parks. We have to go out to where the community is and talk to them, go into restaurants and talk to people, go into bodegas and stores and talk to people, not running people's names, not looking for, 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 for things that are wrong with their cars. Um, maybe even have a car event where you say, okay, here's, you know, what's wrong with your car. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a certain amount of, amount of time to fix it. Um, those types of things, when people, when people, any officers in here will tell you anytime that uh, they have shown mercy to anyone, when they could have given a ticket, it's always thanked, it's always appreciated. And so those types of, of things go a long way. And, you, and, they'll, and people will say, hey, you know, that officer so-and-so, they were a good officer. They were good to me. You know, I don't know about the rest of them, but the rest of these guys were good. And so we have, if, we have, if we have more officers who engage in that type of mentality, getting rid of the warrior mentality and, and adopting the, the guardian mentality. Again, I've done shows about this. So that's why the thing is scrolling at the bottom of the screen here, getting rid of that mentality and adopting the, that guardian mentality goes so, so, so far. Um, yeah. 
uh, but the justin system uh, frequently fails um it, it does sometimes just like everything else but you know we got to con continue on nothing is perfect we understand that uh fix it by getting rid of officers that have that have problems yeah uh i i, I talked about this with unions got to sometimes take back the, some of that power from the unions and that's going to fix it again it's a transparency problem and when and if there's a problem you got to fix it you can't cover it up can't just hide behind someone because they were a good officer in the past or because they're your boy. Discipline, even if it's not getting rid of those officers. I mean, people make mistakes. Obviously, this is not a mistake. I'm not conflating what George Floyd did with a mistake. But what I am saying is that when and if an officer makes mistakes, discipline him and maybe even make that public. I mean, we're not trying to embarrass people, but the public has to be made assured and, and know that, that discipline comes when and if there's a problem within your uh, police department. You know, we get rid of people. We expect when a politician does wrong, we expect them to be somehow censured, booted out of, out of the public sphere. When the teacher is caught sleeping with a student, we expect some type of disciplinary action. And we've got to expect the same from any and all police departments. We've got to expect the same, no more, no less. Uh, not only police relations with community, but all law enforcement under, under the microscope. Parole, probation, corrections, uh, the Border Patrol, uh, even some district attorney's offices. Yes, uh, uh, these are all things that are that are under the microscope. There, there is there is a lack of trust uh, between all these, and uh, I think that many of these things. Um, uh, maybe Tracy, we can have you back on talk about this to talk about the, um, the lack of uh, of uh, respect uh, in public relations with pro probation, parole, and corrections. Why is this such a, uh, at an all time low? What's going on with this, and how do we fix it? How do we fix these types of things? Uh, because it's it's a it's a problem. Joanne says, if there's a transcript available of this, I'd like to reread it all all later. Um, <laughs> that's gonna be a that's gonna be a lengthy read. I tell you that two weeks, two three four weeks of testimony. That's gonna be a lengthy read. Um, I'm definitely interested in. I'm definitely interested in the defenses and what they're gonna paint. Because it's certainly going to be this guy somehow deserved it. His his acting erratically, his refusal co to comply with commands, his uh, opioid use, uh, his health issues. I'm sure, I'm sure that those are all going to be uh, defensive tactics to kind of deflect and, and detract away from what we uh, saw with our own eyes. You know, who are you going to believe? Us or your lying eyes? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, check out Captain uh, Captain's YouTube channel. Yeah, I got a lot of things on there. The YouTube, also the audio as well. Um, so if you guys are going for a walk or maybe at the gym or something like that, you can always download it and, and listen to it. I got a lot of different episodes about a lot of these things and talk about just uh, uh, reform and all that. And don't forget to pick up the book. Don't forget to pick up the book. <laughs> it's uh, Police Reform. It's available on the Amazon uh, can Amazon, not Kindle yet, soon Kindle, uh, Amazon, Lulu.com, Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can pick up the book and I talk about, you know, what, what the community in could do, should do in order to, uh, to fix these problems and what the police should do to fix these uh, community relations problems. We fix it by working together with the community and treating people fairly when, with dignity and respect. Yeah. I mean, that's just the bottom line. But unfortunately, many of the things that have happened in the past, uh, many officers, and I'm including, you know, 
those that you mentioned, probation, parole, corrections, are paying the price for other people who have come along and abused the system and who have gotten away with their abuse. Uh, so it, it really becomes very, very problematic uh, when and if um, these people uh, get, a, get away with certain things. And that, that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, we all, every single job, there's not a job where people don't make a mistake, um, or do things that are, that are not of the ethical and moral, uh, standards of their profession and or craft. We've got to hold them a stand. We've got to hold them accountable for when and if these things happen. And that's just the bottom line. And, um, and, uh, it, um, it's, it's refreshing in this particular case to see it's refreshing in this particular case to see that these officers, Lieutenant Zimmerman, the chief of police and others are all saying what this guy did was messed up. He didn't try to save a life. He didn't perform any type of measure to save a life. He didn't perform CPR. He didn't even do any type of chest compressions. He didn't do anything. He just adjusted and readjusted and buried his knee further and deeper into Floyd's neck. Really, really it's it's almost surreal. I almost can't even believe we're talking about this. In all, in all honesty, I almost can't even believe that we that, 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 that this is a thing. That this is a thing. And to echo Tracy's point again, to see, have to wonder if this guy gets away with this. Absolutely, we cannot condone the bad behavior of our colleagues. In no profession can we condone that, and it has to be called out. It has to be called out. So. So that's that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's the trial so far. I really, really appreciate you guys checking in. Great questions, and thank you so much to so to Joanna. Really, really good, great question there. How do we fix it? Because um, the reputation is damaged. Um, the reputation is damaged. It, it really, really is, and uh, we cannot condone it. This behavior, uh, like Tracy's saying. Um, and we had to do what Chris was saying earlier. We saw when he saw uh, officers policing themselves, we had to continue to police ourselves. Can't condone this, this behavior. Got to get out into the community, talk to these people, can't treat them, cannot be police officers for treating the public like uh, an occupying force. Um, that uh, I, I'd like to say those days are long gone and hopefully they never return. But you have to look at the, at the public, as, at the public. Police officers have to look at the public as if they are members of the public. And um, and it cannot be along racist lines or along classist lines where we think that because someone has a certain economic status that they deserve to be treated better than someone who has a lower economic status. Uh, that you know that is that is terrible. Um, you, we have to be able to treat everyone uh, differently. Excuse me. We have to be able to treat everyone equally. Equally, we have to be able to treat everyone equally, whether you like them or whether you don't like them. Whether you think that whether you see them driving a Benz, or or you know some car from the 1980s, uh, because of their financial circumstances, people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Uh, and Teresa's saying now is the time to clean house. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure that many police departments are looking at their policies and procedures. In particular, they've looked at uh, any type of neck restraint holds. I'm sure that any police department with their worth their cent worth their weight in gold or worth their has any sense about them the brass of the hire has done a thorough analysis of their policies and procedures, particularly concerning use of force um and um and, and even uh their um body cameras 
are, are more than likely being looked at as far as their policies, procedures about body cameras, their policies, procedures about interfering with other uh, one officer uh, being mandated to interfere or intervene uh, with another officer who they see is doing something wrong, uh, probably even establishing some type of whistleblower type of uh, policy that uh, anyone who comes forward will not be disciplined or treated. Uh, if you see a brother or sister officer behaving uh, negatively, I'm sure that those policies and procedures are, I know that's what I'd be thinking of if I'm the chief of police. If I'm a chief of police anywhere, that's what we're looking at. Um, you know, fixing any, uh, any deficiencies in our use of force, our reporting, our body cameras, uh, because another thing too, just apparently Chauvin's body camera wasn't on when the sergeant got there. He had to tell him to turn his body camera on. What the heck? Why isn't your body camera on? I, I don't even understand that. Um, and uh, also looking to make sure that there's some type of uh, uh, policy procedure about whistleblowing. Now this may be unpopular again, but we got to break down this blue wall. This blue wall. Um, and so uh, you got to look at any type of policy procedure that protects people who want to say, who want to report a, a rogue officer. You got to protect those type of people, right? <clears throat> Very good. Thank you so much, Joanne, for uh, you liked it and continue to follow my Facebook. Just follow me wherever you follow me at YouTube, Facebook, podcast, whatever. Appreciate it. I really do. I really appreciate it. Isn't already part of being sworn off? obligation to, to intervene. It's actually, I, you know, I, I don't think that it is. I, I don't think that it is. I think that, um, I, 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 I don't think that it's as far as a policy procedure, uh, to, to intervene when, and if you see a brother officer, sister officer doing because, because departments have been, um, developing these, these, uh, types of, uh, policies, uh, rules, regulations, et cetera. Um, you would, you would think that it is, you would think that it's part of the code of conduct, the code of standards, I, I understand that, um, but unfortunately, it, it 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 doesn't happen, and it didn't happen. And I, I think that we just got to be honest about that. If we're going to be honest about it, now I said, you know, that, and Chris has mentioned, and I've mentioned, uh, numerous times that we've that we, I've seen officers pull officers out of situations, tell them to go over here, take a break, go go run this guy's name. You see a guy all all amped up and say, okay, here's his license. Hey, I want you to go run his name. That that gets him out of the mix. Um, so therefore he's not inclined to do something stupid, um, because of his adrenaline rush. Um, so yeah, so we would think that it is, however, um, as far as a policy where you're protecting people, uh, uh protecting officers who wanted to so, so-called <laughs> snitch, uh, or, or, or talk about, or, or bring it to the higher ups attention. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it is. And I think that it certainly should be, and certainly something that that uh, more departments really need to put into their policies, procedures, rules, and regulations, et cetera. Uh, yes, we are. Yes, to answer your question, we are supposed to protect and serve. Yes, yes, uh, yes, we are. But again, uh, as we've talked about in the history of policing, this is not always the way. And I want to get, I want to go down that road. Where, but uh, but uh, it it hasn't always trans translated into actual, uh, you know, the model that's on written on our walls on the side of our cars doesn't always transfer into our, uh, uh, actions as we're dealing with the public. And I think that if we can admit that, uh, any, if we can admit that, then we can start to make the changes that we are so often need and so desperately require. So, uh, my daddy do, do stuff like that. Right. Chris, I think that's exactly what he's talking about is that, um, pulling people off and just doing the right thing. 
um, yeah, yeah, we have we all have to do the right thing. So yes, we are supposed to protect and serve. Um, and so I really, really appreciate everyone, everyone who's tuned in uh, tonight. And um, to to echo uh, someone uh, earlier uh, who said, you know, we love the blue, and uh, we certainly don't condemn condone uh, the use of drugs or illicit substances and all that kind of stuff. But um, um, this is this is what out is what is out there sometimes. Uh, the scary part is that is what higher ups are part of the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's the higher ups. Sometimes it's the, the managerial system of the uh, community. Uh, the mayors, uh, the, the legislatures, the, the alders, the aldermen, whatever they, they're called in your particular town or city. Uh, sometimes it's the unions tying the hands of everyone at the top so changes can't be made. So I, I really think that people really have to understand how their political system of policing uh, is set up and how that goes. Uh, are, are your uh, uh, public officials hands tied because of strong union uh, unions? Uh, are uh, union contracts preventing um, officers from being terminated who we know all know should be terminated every job we all know somebody who shouldn't be there i mean you can be a janitor somewhere not i'm not that i'm <laughs> disrespecting janitors but you can be a janitor somewhere and we all know somebody shouldn't be there uh so so this is this is and police officers are no different from this and so we have to get be have developed the means to get these people out of office and so yes to to your your point Teresa, sometimes it is the um the part of the higher ups that are that are part of the problem. I mean, if they're going to cover up things and hide things and not release body cam footage and and deflect, I mean, that's why I'm so glad to see this lieutenant and the chief of police saying that this is this is not right. What he did was against our moral code or against our policy procedures. We've never been trained uh, in this way, and so uh, it's really really important. Uh, yes, adrenal adrenaline is a very powerful chemical, and that's why we, as officers, any astute officer who's been trained in this and talked about this knows you have to get those officers away from the situation uh, so you don't embarrass your department, uh, cause them to make terrible mistakes uh, that will have you as, as a side officer or, or, or themselves fired uh, because their adrenaline is stopping them. So, Policing themselves is a very, very key element, and I really, really appreciate you bringing that up, Chris. The adrenaline and how you've seen officers police themselves, uh, because it gave me a chance to talk about how officers need to uh, police themselves and how and how best to do that. So, if you're an officer out there listening to this and you want to know how you police yourself and what can you do if you see a situation, uh, you tell us. You tell another officer, "Hey, listen, I got this." Uh, go not you go over there, relax, or go run this guy's name, or go see if he drops something in the woods or something like that. You get that officer away from the situation uh, because uh, you will save yourself, you save that officer, um, and uh, from doing something extremely, extremely stupid. So, so that's just a little two cents there. Um, so I think I'm going to wrap it up there, and I really, really appreciate everyone's uh, questions and comments. We're going to continue to watch the trial. Um, I'm supposed to be on another podcast when the trial is over. Um, so I'll try to get that released. Uh, someone else who wants me to be on their podcast to talk about, you know, how the trial ended and what my thoughts are. Um, if anything else comes up that is of more importance, I'll certainly try to do a live episode about it. Uh, again, this was supposed to be a different episode tonight. However, um, the uh, other guest canceled. Um, so, uh, we'll get into it, uh, soon. Uh, Nakia Fields is up, I think, next week. Uh, she was on before. We're going to talk about some more good stuff, uh, um, health-conscious 
uh, type of things. And so, uh, uh, and then we, we'll, we'll see where we're at from there. But uh, really, really appreciate you guys tuning in, tuning in. Much love, much peace. Thank you so much. I agree with every word that uh, has been uttered tonight. And um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Guys, take care. Enjoy your weekend. I hope everyone's Easter and all that was good. And, uh, and uh, listen, I, I really have a lot to say about, uh, about um, my man uh, uh, DMX. Um, a really, really terrible, terrible, terrible shame there. Um, you know, um, if you have anyone or know anyone who's struggling with um, substance abuse, so many times it's our it's our um, musicians, it's our talented people who are suffering with these things. Um, and so we we lost so many different people to to these types of drugs, and it's really just a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but, uh, DMX was, uh, was probably one of my top, top five rappers in my opinion. So the situation that he's dealing with right now is really, really horrible. Um, and, um, so if you know anyone out there who's got some type of substance abuse issues, mental health issues, please, please, please make sure that you talk to them, try to get them the help that they need. Um, uh, it's not the time to abandon them. Um, but it's time to, to really try to embrace them and say, listen, we, we can beat this. We can kick this. They need a lot of love, need a lot of support. So, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Rough Riders. Yeah. Yeah. I, ho I hope that those Rough Riders are standing by him right now. I hope that they're standing by him and the family. Can't just talk about it. You know, it's times like this, just like in law enforcement. <clears throat> um, you know, oftentimes we need to come together when uh, tragedy strikes. So, anyway. I'll stop rambling on here. Much love and every peace, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. Ray, man, you're late, man. I'm about to sign off, brother, but what's up, man? Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> All right, brothers and sisters, thank you so much. Take care. Much love and peace. Take care. Bye.